Hello there. You're listening to Local Bops, a music podcast about artistry, community, and craft. And I'm your host, Connor Beckett. There's a great big world outside the studio, and few definitely weave a through line between the outside and inside spaces, quite like field guides. The project of Brooklyn-based multi-instrumentalist, songwriter, and graphic designer Benedict Cupstis. Incorporating field recordings of nature into his work, the sounds of the environment scaffold Benedict's work in a way that creates a space evocative of the situations in which they were written. Inviting listeners into his world while creating a sense of emotional distance and allowing us to experience what he describes as the feeling of being unmoored from the familiar. Even on tracks when the outside world isn't sonically there, nature is a frequent touchstone in the Field Guides catalog, making for an evergreen energy that feels positively verdant. On this episode, I spoke with Benedict about the process and experiences that informed his new record, Ginkgo, which included finding parallels between his own experiences and mythology, and a desire to make intangible, subjective experiences tangible. Our conversation devolved in a thoroughly enjoyable fashion into a wider discussion about the intersections of art and nature, transcendentalism, and the long road that led to this album's creation. And as you'd expect on this podcast, Benedict was kind enough to perform some acoustic versions of the tracks on this record. Take a listen. Losing your page, leave it there on the table And all that we had was yours for the breaking So one thing I enjoy about your music is the presence of what we might define as the natural world. On both Ginkgo as well as your previous album, This Is Just A Place, field recordings seem to find their way into your work at one junction or another. To start, I was wondering if you could elaborate on this relationship between the instrumental and vocal recordings and recordings of the world at large and its role in your craft and your artistry, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think a lot of that is an extension of just wanting, first of all, to like link what the songs are initially about to something a little bit more expansive and broader. Uh, so within the the lyrics too, I'm, I think, self conscious sometimes about like a, a solipsistic or uh, self indulgent, yeah, just writing more love songs or breakup songs or whatever they might be, mm-hmm. um, and then being aware of that self-consciousness, but trying to then find a way to not avoid those things or not feel self-conscious about them, but to tie them to narratives that are, and and usually just because of my own interests and, and passions, those are often from the natural world and animals and botany and, uh, and, and linking my own personal anxieties to like the, the anxieties of living at a time when, there's climate collapse and, and bigger, bigger things to worry about than, than my, uh, own personal, uh, trials or whatever they are. Um, and so I think in the beginning it was like, it felt like it made sense to, to not just do that in some sort of narrative allegorical way within the lyricism, but also to actually invite those elements in. So to, um, and the and the other piece of it, I think, is that I started noticing that the only times I feel prolific or actually 
making things that I enjoy myself, uh, it's often tied to travels and to being in unfamiliar places or uh, being somewhere unfamiliar or, um, yeah, changes of scenery, changes of routine. And and so th- th- in those two ways, when I would be somewhere new or traveling, uh, I'd bring a field recorder with me to capture sounds from that place. Um, and I think at some point it just, it made sense to that those, those two things went together, uh, that I'm writing in a way that is aspiring to get beyond the ego or, or whatever. Um, and, and yeah, sometimes outside sounds make their way in. <laughs> yeah. You uh, could, you could not have times that better. <laughs> Bilko, I want to say that just, uh, that we got some ambient sound. Ambient in there. Sounds. It's, yeah. yeah. So we, we invite the natural world in. Um, yeah, it's well. It's interesting you say that you, yeah. that you are inviting the natural world into yeah. your recording because it almost resonates to me as if we, as listeners, are being invited into your world in some ways because you are you are putting forward yeah. a a more cohesive, uh, I would say like you know a, a a broader, fuller picture of like your headspace as it relates to the art, like the songs yeah. that you're crafting. Yeah, and so you know it, it it provides us like extra spaces, listeners to to live in your world in some ways, almost like you know it, it's it's twofold in that. Yeah, regard. yeah. I mean, I think that's that's like often the dilemma of art is you know the the yeah the the banality or the specificity of like one person's experience and then something that's universal and and like the way that that can be in a in in a somewhat counterintuitive way that like the more specificity you offer and that can be either like a lyric that is really you know i i it, it's a reference to something that only i lived or know all the the layers of reference or um or a sound that comes from like a trip i took you know like that that something about that specificity um somehow makes it more relatable to someone right you know it doesn't make it less somehow less accessible or relatable it actually makes it more um so yeah i and and yeah i do i do think a lot about in my own music and then just in general about like the walking that tightrope of making art that on some level is always going to be self-indulgent and 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 internal and looking inward um but doing that in a way that doesn't lack like a generosity or a a a, like uh a focus on on yeah an invitation into something that can be shared right yeah so um i guess in line with that could you just talk a little bit about the title of this record ginkgo and its symbology the symbology of this tree in the relation to this collection of songs. Yeah, I could probably talk too much about that. But um, <laughs> yeah, it. I struggled with the title for this record. The first two titles were, the first two albums were titled um, with specific, uh, like literary, literary references to, to poets that I love. Um, and I kind of wanted to keep that, mm-hmm. that streak and, and do that with a third one. Um, but something at some point felt right about just having a one word and a, a just a, a noun, just a, a label as the title for this. Um, and the, I think the first, the first thread that led to it was realizing after the fact that almost all the songs on this album refer to trees. And, and I've been 
conscious of like the previous albums uh, talking a lot about animals um and so something felt like it shifted it was like a more botanical more more about the flora than the fauna for this one yeah um literally what i was about to say it's like from from fauna (laughs) to flora yeah yeah, Yeah. yeah. um and yeah i think i think maybe where like the ginkgo specifically entered my consciousness was reading an article about these trees and i'm not even going to attempt to say the japanese name for them but they were the uh, it's a it's a term for not just ginkgos, but the trees that were in Hiroshima at, at the time of the the dropping of the atomic bomb in '45, um, at, which obviously just uh, destroyed the the city and yeah led to lots of devastation. Um, and and the Japanese have subsequently sort of treated the trees that survived that somehow like somewhat miraculously survived the atomic bomb. Um, as this very symbolic, metaphorical uh, uh, representation of survival and resilience, and and uh, and a lot of poetry has been written about these trees, and particularly the ginkgos. And I think partly because the ginkgo, as a species, is has stayed the same for for uh, eons and and hasn't evolved much beyond what it was um, ten, tens of millions of years ago. Um, maybe hundreds I'd have to look but uh um yeah so I think that that just felt you know pretty rich with symbolism from that and then uh just the way that you see them in New York the way that some people hate the smell of them the, like they just feel it feels like there's a lot of layers to this tree that's what I was going to say is probably the closest association that most people uh, at least in my experience on the East Coast growing up and living here and being around ginkgo trees right. as most people have quite a bit of disdain for them for because the, yeah, because yeah, they yeah. have a very distinct and what and unpleasant yeah. smell at at least some people believe it to be unpleasant totally know? yeah and and like I, I could go on about ginkgo trees for for way too long but part of that is in a very weird way that like their sexual reproduction is very different from other trees and is actually closer to like mammals and humans like their sperm are actually very uh mammalian and and the ones that smell bad i actually don't remember at the moment but it's i think it's only the females yes most of new york it's just the male trees that they plant and they try not to have the the foul smelling ones but yeah, so there's that layer. There's also like the way that uh, ginkgo biloba supplements are like tied to memory and and like a, are you know thought by many to to help with with memory and um, a lot of the record is very much about nostalgia and and memories. So yeah, a lot of layers to well, ginkgo. Let's talk a bit about the first track we're going to hear you perform, Margaret. I know this track contends with your Catholic upbringing, as well as drawing inspiration from the life of the transcendentalist writer and women's rights activist Margaret Fuller. Would you mind diving into how those elements inspired the track, and if possible, hone in on the lyric that I found particularly interesting, all that we have is yours for the breaking, out in the yard, you are Cain, I am Abel. Yeah, um, that song grew out of being very inspired by a a book I read by this woman, Maria Popova, um, called Figuring. Uh, She was one of the people that uh, founded or was responsible for the beginning of Pioneer Works in Mm -hmm. in Red Hook and and is just an incredible writer and thinker. And in Figuring, she she talks about a lot of figures, largely women throughout history, 
that sort of straddled science and art. Then the Catholic thing, I guess, came in because yeah, I was raised, I was raised Catholic and was like did the whole thing and was an altar boy and could also talk about that as long as I could talk about ginkgos. Oh, um, dude, dude, I was an altar boy too. We could, oh, yeah. we're, we're, gonna we pivot, go, yeah. we're gonna pivot in this. I podcast mean, it could get right dark. Now. It could yeah. get very dark. But uh, yeah, it was, um, yeah, uh, yeah. So all that mythology, the biblical stuff, uh, just felt. And, and and it felt tied in a way to what Margaret Fuller was dealing with socially, you know, with a, a like like secular inquiries that were up against entrenched regressive oppressive ideologies. Yeah, so I don't know if that answers your question, but uh, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking about writing that, and then obviously inserting myself into all that drama and, and my own yeah my own shit
So physical location plays a critical role in the songs collected on Ginkgo, with songs being penned in far-flung locales such as Crete and Lebanon, but there's also an emotive distance at play here too. You say the tracks evoke, quote, the feeling of being unmoored from the familiar, end quote. I feel like the similarity between those motifs creates a sense of distance in these tracks, something you had talked about um, just a few minutes prior. I was just wondering if you could speak more to that theme of dislocation and distance in the context of this LP. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, like you said, several of the songs were written when I was in uh, somewhat intense situations abroad. and yeah not just like traveling as a tourist but either in places working um in some capacity or yeah or just in uh odd scenarios and um yeah and like i like i think i mentioned earlier that uh i do find that that feeling of not having my comfortable surroundings and like things that I feel offer me like a stability and and a comfort blanket and whatever to whatever extent um does seem to like stir the creative juices or whatever yeah do you feel like that's necessary for your craft in some ways that's yeah. kind of the, the kind of sensation I'm getting from yeah you, you I think about so this. I yeah I think I need to be uncomfortable to like f- to to start thinking in a way that then leads to something I mean I I can create outside of that when I'm feeling more comfortable but it usually doesn't yield anything I'm as excited about right yeah um yeah so so yeah so so a bunch of the songs the at least the seeds of them uh were came from from being um abroad and and I think yeah like like I think you just implied like I think the the feeling of of being dislocated literally and physically uh just happened to feel very aligned to like what was happening for me um personally and and emotionally so yeah it and i notice it like it wasn't an intentional thing in the writing of a lot of the songs but there there's lots of references to very specific places and and like i was saying earlier then i think somewhat unintentionally and then more consciously there was also the the like the desire to to wed that spe- the the specificity of a place to especially in the example of like a song like cicadas and lemon trees or ahiosilas which are which is the name of a village in on crete um to the fact that like these are these are not just places that I'm like using as the setting for some you know tumultuous love love <laughs> drama but it but like they, that's what the Greeks like wrote their mythologies about you know like it like I'm not the first to do this you know like people have been been tying these grand epic universal allegories to specific places for as long as we've been making art yeah that actually ties into like the other thematic point that i I wanted to talk about the role that mythology plays on this record because you have the lyric i lost my voice while overseas like hades took persephone um but we were also like we were also talking uh previously about you know cain and abel of a separate you know distant mythology uh and you know the fact that that is also present on another track uh in this record do you feel like 
it's interesting because you sort of um, got ahead of my question, but I was like a little bit more curious about um, like your own personal fascination with like mythology and like whether or not this was something that you found like sort of found its way organically into the songwriting, if you will, like just realizing that the the struggles and like, you know, sort of your own personal narrative had um, this synergistic quality with like the stories that we've been telling each other for thousands right, of years right. or yeah. um, it, or if it's Genesis, not <laughs> pun not intended, uh, like was uh, was rooted in something else. Yeah, maybe a little bit of both, but I think more the former. I think because some of these like the ideas were were I was absorbing some of these ideas at the same time as I was processing things happening in my life. You know, so yeah, I think in one way it was while I was processing things that could have just led to a another heartbreak song, I happened to be in a place that was just like so dense with with history and the palimpsests of of just like all of these mythologies and narratives that we've told each other, um, and it was hard to avoid that. It was just like this salient thing and I was like visiting you know ancient ruins in places and and seeing that while I was like thinking about why I'm so sad or (laughs) heartbroken um and so I think some of that just happened inevitably where I like though I was thinking about those two things at the same time and they just bled together right um and then because I can't escape the fact that I was just like uh inundated with and and yeah just uh all of this catholic uh guilt and and all the narratives that (laughs) does that ever go away though i don't i doubt it yeah yeah yeah. um yeah and so that they and they felt very much like they were attempting in some way to do the same thing like the like the greek mythology and 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 the and whoever was was writing what became the bible and 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 me processing my uh whatever it is uh all feel like they're the same the same thing so yeah yeah which is funny you say that there there is this ubiquity to it but yeah. you were also fearful when you were writing these songs about becoming too self-indulgent and writing yeah, too personal yeah. but yeah, even yeah. in even like while making crap like you know crafting something that was like so uniquely personal you found this you know there yeah it, like everything that's happened is our has already happened to someone else right. in some way exactly you know? yeah, yeah 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 no exactly i mean i think that's yeah I, back to your earlier question too about like letting nature in and and that as another layer of meaning and metaphor there there's a thing i don't remember who said this but like i think it was john berger who, who has written about art and vision and um but i think he he said a thing about uh um, that like art is a, is a systematic way to try to like capture and make permanent the like the spontaneous glimpses that nature gives us of beauty and and that beauty by its definition is like the exception it's like like beauty exists despite everything else it's like a like the which I guess could get into a philosophical thing about like chaos versus order or, but uh, but but that his idea is that like we get these glimpses from nature like we we happen to find a, a certain flower or like a a gem beautiful because it's different than the surrounding 
banality, right? Right. And that art is like an attempt to systematize, to like organize and capture what nature gives us glimpses of, you know? And and I think it's I think it's maybe the same thing in trying to use field recordings or nature as metaphor or using Greek mythology or using biblical uh, mythology. It's like it's all the same. We're, we're all trying to do the same thing and like hold and and hold on to something that is actually just a a very um, elusive thing that we're that we're drawn to, you know. Yeah. Um, and that 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 gives like a that somehow distills these things that we feel that we don't know how to process, like heartbreak or depression or the anxieties of being a human, you know, like, like we don't know how to express any of this stuff to each other. Yeah. Um, so we, we create the, we create gods or we create whatever, you know, but we create the tangible out of the yeah, intangible, yeah, if yeah, you will. Yeah. 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 I think that's, uh, it's, it's funny. Um, and this is the last thing I'll say. So we, before we get too off topic and we'll listen to the next song, but I will <laughs> yeah. say it's sort of, uh, sort of, you know, from a different angle, that's sort of the way that I've always talked about any sort of music criticism or music journalism, uh, yeah. because I always felt like music existed at the end point of speech um and prose if you will so the any attempts to render that back into the written word um when it is a art medium that exists explicitly outside of that felt kind of futile but yeah here we are talking about it anyway so (laughs) we try yeah yeah, that's neither here nor there um let's talk about the next track we're going to listen to let uh i almost said lemons and the cicada trees it's cicadas and the lemon trees uh we talked about the mythological aspect of this track Mm. um can we just zoom in for a second and just get to just um a little bit more of the personal as it relates to the the the, con- the context in which this track was uh, was penned and and sort of what you were going through at the time yeah i mean this one gets a little heavy um but you guys seem like trustworthy people i could share with um yeah i think the one thing the one experience that is at the heart of this song was part of a trip that uh that took me to a few different places including like when I spent time on on Crete and and uh, was like fortunate enough to have time to just work on music in this really idyllic little house in a in a village in the middle of nowhere. But before that, I had been in in uh, Finland and to play some shows and and to hang out and and do some yeah some just interesting things. And uh, while there, just had like probably the worst panic attack of my life uh pretty terrifying one and and so like there's a reference in that song to to that moment um and then a lot of reference to to spending time in greece and it it was my first time there in either place um but yeah let me let me get back to to your question so the personal things it was very much about like the dissolution of a of a serious relationship mm-hmm. um but much of the heaviness of that like protracted uh really difficult end of a relationship felt very tied to like the like traveling and to to like um to being in unfamiliar places and to these like sort of grand experiences, like seeing things for the first time. Um, and yeah, and elsewhere on the album, that that particular trip, I don't know how interesting this is, but that particular trip 
then was had a had a weird little uh, interlude in Berlin, um, and there's references to that point in that trip on the album as well, um, and I think like the way that moving through life or like physically traveling can sort of like create distinct discrete chapters you know like mm-hmm. here i'm in this place for this period of time processing this experience and then literally there's a setting change um i think is a lot of what's happening in cicadas and yeah so the the, the personal stuff is then and even in the 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 chorus of that song the uh a hungry wolf never hangs about i think is the line i i I think something like that, um, which is also like based on a children children's fairy tale, and like it's a it's actually a, like a rough translation from I think the maybe the Portuguese like version of that fairy tale. Um, and yeah, I think that one is probably like the most overt example of me like not knowing how to say what I was feeling. So looking to other source material to say that had already said what I was trying to say better than I could. in the lemon tree Do you still want me on my knees Cicadas in the olive grove And I'll be on my way I lost my voice while overseas Like Hades took Persephone I saw the shadows on the wall I swallowed all the seas
Cicadas in the lemon trees Do you still want me on my knees? Cicadas in the olive grove And I'll be on my way So I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about personnel and collaboration before we wrapped this interview. There's a lot of musicians featured on Ginkgo, more than 20, and features co-producers Shannon Fields and former guest and friend of this program, Nico Headley. I enjoyed the way that Ben Saratan described the creation of this album as, quote, raising a barn together. I thought that was a really apt description of any sort of collaborative process and i was just wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that process in creating this album given that there was you know some give and take between doing both remote and in-person collaboration over an extended period of time yeah yeah um yeah so the album we started making this pre-pandemic when at the point where there was like the most fixed lineup live live lineup of the band at any point because um, yeah, Field Guides has been this very amorphous project over the years, um, and and so like the in, initial atten- intent was like let's finally make a Field Guides record that is this band, like this is, right, yeah. this is the live band, this is who's going into a studio, and we recorded one song that way, and then the pandemic started and a lot of other life changes, um, and so it was originally just pure necessity that we we're like let's keep working on this but do it remotely and i'll record tracks in my bedroom and then other people will record in their own studios and so it also felt at early pandemic was also i'm sure you can relate to like a time of of trying to figure out how to like maintain networks of contact and support um and me and a, a bunch of friends mostly also musicians in brooklyn but some further afield um started a a like weekly reading group it mm-hmm. it was it was sort of a also an amorphous project that was we would sometimes read books together we would, a few times we spent like doing phone banking for local uh, DSA endorsed politicians um and but primarily just a way to meet and support each other and make sure everyone was okay um, and so a lot of the musicians on this album were also people that were a part of that and, and with whom we, we like made sure to check in. Um, and it was a yeah bonding experience and, and, and a, just a, it felt like a, a very symbolic way to be collaborating, not just on my music, but on, you know, their music and, and, and uh, mutual aid and and political efforts and then we did do one more session uh, with Nico and, and Rachel and I up in New Paltz to, to do a few songs when it felt safe and, and prudent um, but yeah it very much felt like the uh, the synthesis of, of those two processes with like was the just bedroom recording and like I had a my good friend Nick Jenkins did some of the percussion tracks in uh, New Mexico and people from all over just doing that style Um, and then very fortunately like you mentioned Nico and Shannon helped me with it and like it needed it's the first time I've had anyone like serve as a co-producer and they really were the ones that were able to like figure out how we would make turn that into a cohesive thing when we're doing it in all these different uh, approaches yeah. yeah there's something beautiful about that i mean you know it takes a village at the end of the yeah. day yeah no yeah 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 no i love the way that ben de- like described it yeah it's perfect yeah yeah 
Well, Benedict, thank you so much for coming on this episode. Uh, at the present moment, this album is not out, but in all likelihood, if you're listening to this podcast, Ginkgo is now out on all <laughs> streaming platforms. Before we hear the last song, I have my usual two-parter parting question for my guests, which is, what's next for Field Guides? And what preface can you provide to this last track we're going to listen to, Condensate? Yeah, yeah. Um, so what's next for Field Guides? We're going to be, the album comes out June 24th, uh, which may be before you're hearing this. Um, and then we're going to be going on a short tour in the Northeast in early July. And then we have a release show in Brooklyn, in Queens, actually, um, at TVI on July 16th. Um, and then, uh, probably be playing more shows into the fall. Um, Condensate is a song that, um, I first wrote very quickly to to be a part of a a benefit compilation that some friends with ruination records put out um but then we we sort of reinterpreted it for this album it's uh this i don't know i don't know what this one is about i'm not sure Hmm. i guess we'll just let the listeners figure it out If we only sat behind the glass long enough to see all the colors fading silently, and if we only knew the words they long to hear, all your suitors sent off wandering. Finger on the condensate I wonder why you're hesitating Dust in the tear duct I ask Only to hear you pause Thanks for listening to this episode of Local Bops. This podcast was recorded in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and produced by my friend and Bradford Cox impersonator Billy Coglin, aka Bilko. If you enjoyed Field Guides' performance, you can find all of Benedict's music at fieldguides.bandcamp.com. Be sure to also follow him on Instagram as well, at Field Guides. You can find all episodes of the Local Bops podcast at localbops.com, as well as on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. 
Additionally, you can hear the local Bops Radio Hour every other Tuesday on Capus.fm. Thanks for tuning in. Take care and Godspeed.